0: Nobody scores. Let's go uh, 44 short. Against Jacobs and the Bills, the AFL's
1: most wide open offenses were slammed shut. In 1964 and 65, Buffalo gave up the fewest points in the league. During that two year span, the Bills went 17 straight games without allowing a rushing touchdown a pro football record that still stands.
0: I think it lent itself to the way that Lou Saban wanted to play football. He's going to play defense, and uh, he was going to smack you in the mouth on offense, he was going to run over you.
1: Welcome to Good Seats Still Available, a curious little podcast devoted to exploring what used to be in professional sports. Here's your host, Tim Hanlon. Hello, friends. My name is Tim Hanlon. I welcome you again to our little star studded extravaganza. We call it Good Seats Still Available, that curious little podcast that is devoted to what used to be in professional sports. We uh, thank you for finding us uh, in uh, the wild and woolly podcast uh, world uh, that's out there and uh, finding us and putting us in your podcatcher, your device, your streaming uh, entity, whatever it is, it's uh, filling your earbuds uh, with uh, good audio sounds, we appreciate you uh putting us through those pipes and uh, through the air to uh, to listen to us. Um, and uh, this week we uh, have a very uh, fun and interesting conversation uh, with a uh, a veteran of the uh, AFL and uh, the early days. Well, not so early days, but sort of the uh, maturation, I guess, of the uh, the NFL, uh, and one of uh, the league's uh, uh, great uh, defensive players. Uh his name is Ron McDowell and uh, his nickname is the Dancing Bear and that's also the name of his uh uh recent uh, biography autobiography called The Dancing Bear My 18 Years in the Trenches of the AFL and NFL and after uh, starring uh in the uh University of Nebraska Cornhusker program uh in the uh, late 1950s uh, Ron McDowell was uh one of the uh, first uh group of players to be uh dually uh Drafted by both the uh, NFL and, uh, for the first time ever, the AFL, and um, we get into the stories of uh, of both of those leagues, and in particular uh, for Ron, uh, a, uh, a very uh, compelling and solid career, especially uh, with the Buffalo Bills, where, as you just heard in that clip from uh, the uh, uh, the awesome. Uh, multi-chapter history called Full Color Football, the uh, history of the uh, the American Football League that ran on Showtime a bunch of years ago. Uh, the uh, the defense, the prowess of the defense of the Buffalo Bills, especially in the middle of the decade, uh, 64, 65 or so, 63 even, 66 even. Uh, Ron McDole uh, was uh, one of uh, the key cogs uh, of that uh, awesome defensive uh, Uh, unit that uh, won uh, two AFL championships, uh, got them to a third championship game. uh, And, uh, uh, you know, before sort of the uh, the Bills kind of sort of went on the slide as the uh, as the decade wore on, uh, the Buffalo Bills were uh, absolutely a a quintessentially strong and notable chapter uh, in the brief but uh, very important history of the AFL. Ron was there. Ron was in the trenches. Ron was on the front lines, if you will. And uh, we're going to get into some of those uh, stories. There was a, cu- a couple of cups of coffee before, uh, you know, finding a uh, a niche and a uh, a strong toehold in the uh, Buffalo Bills uh, starting lineup uh, drafted by the St. Louis football Cardinals of the NFL. We'll talk about that and why he chose the NFL and, and St. Louis uh, recently moved from Chicago uh, versus uh, going to the Denver Broncos of the AFL fledgling as it might have been. Uh, we'll get into that. He, uh, we'll get into a little bit of the uh, Houston Oilers, where uh, Ron had a cup of coffee, and then we'll sort of talk about the Buffalo Bills in particular, and then we'll end up with uh, uh, sort of a almost a, uh, a, a, a you know a, a rebirth or a, a rejuvenation of the career uh, after that uh, uh, lengthy and successful Buffalo Bills AFL, then into NFL career with the Washington Redskins uh, of the NFL. Not uh, sort of in our genre per se, because the Redskins still live on. Uh, In today's NFL, but uh, obviously some great uh, some great times and stories during the early and mid 1970s with uh, with, uh, you know, the George Allen uh, years and the over the hill gang. Ron was part of that as well. So all of that uh, is uh, up ahead with our uh, our guest, Ron McDole, uh, in just a couple of seconds. And we encourage you to, as always, listen and enjoy. But uh, first, before doing so. Your uh, your charge in life is to go visit our sponsors and uh, perhaps, if you wouldn't mind, partaking of their wares. We'd appreciate that. Uh, we want to thank uh, our friends at Audible, uh, where you can get a free audiobook download, uh, yours to keep. Uh, you can cancel the service at any time, and even if you get rid of your device, uh, you can or cancel your subscription. You can still hold on to that free audiobook; it's yours to keep uh, and listen to for as long as you have that device. And uh, the way to get that is to go to this little website. We call it. Audibletrial.com/goodseats. Again, Audibletrial.com/goodseats. There, using that special little URL, you will get a free month subscription to the service of Audible. You will get, importantly, a free audiobook download to choose from over 180,000 and growing number of titles. Uh, you got to be able to find something in there. You can cancel at any time, and as I said, once you've downloaded it, it is yours to keep in perpetuity. If you're a, if you're a slow listener. No problem. Keep it. Keep listening to it. Listen to it over and over again if you want. Go right ahead. AudibleTrial.com slash Good Seats. Uh, give them a try. And uh, it's a no-risk proposition, so uh, give it a try. If you don't like it, cancel it. But hell, keep that book and listen to it and enjoy it. And uh, hopefully you'll uh, you'll find it as uh, intriguing and fun as I do listening to audiobooks. We also want to thank our sponsors, OldSchoolShirts.com. OldSchoolShirts.com, uh, where you use the promo code Good Seats and get 10% off. All of your purchases uh, there and you're going to get fine, high quality, distressed look and feel T-shirts uh, around teams and leagues no longer with us. Also, hell, uh, shopping malls and radio stations and uh, all kinds of other pop culture things, amusement parks, things you may have forgotten about. But uh, old, shoo- old School Shirts, he says, dot com uh, has not forgotten and uh, has commemorated uh, in convenient T-shirt form. Oldschoolshirts.com. Check them out. You're going to find some very fun stuff, very affordable stuff. And uh, make sure, of course, that you use the promo code GOODSEATS and you will get 10% off of all of those purchases there at OldSchoolShirts.com. And last, but certainly not least, our friends at SportsHistoryCollectibles.com. SportsHistoryCollectibles.com is the place to go after you've gotten your shirt to get all the memorabilia that you want from those teams and leagues that you forgot uh, or remember dearly and uh, didn't think you'd ever see an item from again. And I'm certain that you will find a few items from the, some of the teams that Ron McDowell played on, uh, th- that being the St. Louis Football Cardinals of 1960 or 61 or so, uh, the Houston Oilers in the early part of the AFL, and certainly the Buffalo Bills of the AFL. Uh, all of those teams you're going to find, I'm sure, at least one or two items at sportshistorycollectibles.com. And make sure you use the promo code GOODSEATS at checkout and get fifteen percent off all of your purchases there. That's sportshistorycollectibles.com dot com. As they say, visit there early and visit there often, and hell, make a purchase or two. Why don't you? Come on, give us some love, will you? We'd appreciate it, and it helps keep our lights on and uh, all the good content that that we've got planned for you to keep on coming. All right, so we're done with the promotional stuff. Thank you so much for listening to that, and now we thank you for listening to our fun conversation uh, with the great Dancing Bear. He Ron McDole. At what point were you kind of recognizing that uh, either you had the talent and or could actually convey to people that you could play uh, on the next level? I mean, I, I, w- when you were going into Nebraska for your first year, I, did you think that you had a shot at playing professional football? When did it kind of hit you that you might actually have a chance? Oh, well, I really
0: didn't. I, was, I wanted to be a baseball player. So I went there on a football scholarship, my uh, football scholarship, but they also said that they would, like uh, the baseball uh, deal, they said I could play baseball. And they would let me play baseball, but it didn't turn out that way. <laughs> once once you got into this. And then the scouting and all that stuff, uh, they they were always around. They just got more people involved, more coach. A lot of the coaches would be, uh, Even your own coaches would be working for uh, a professional team. You know what I mean? Like on the side, uh, they would recruit. They would, they would recruit the conferences. For example, like man, I was in what they called the big eight at that time, and uh, we would. uh, They would. There'd always be one or two guys in the whole in that league that really kind of worked for a a pro team. To make sure that they could uh, wouldn't miss any good talents, and so they were around. Some of them were coaches. Some of them were just uh, assistant coaches, or some were just always around scouting the, the practice and stuff like that.
1: All right. So come come the spring of 1961, you uh, and I, I. I'm curious to sort of hear how common this was. You were drafted. Uh, in the fourth round, by uh, by both leagues, uh, by the uh, St. Louis Football Cardinals in uh, uh, in the I think with the 50th pick in the fourth round, uh, and also by the uh, the fledgling uh, Denver Broncos of the uh, Brands Bank and New AFL. Yeah. What do you remember? Uh, well, about? What do you remember about those draft days, and and how did you kind of handle well,
0: the them? The draft days were you know they were kind of hectic you know because we had all the All Star games to play in or you know you had to you know uh, uh, like the uh, East-West, and then there was uh, there was uh, a lot of different games that were uh, uh, highly scouted or actually put on by uh, some of the professional teams, like uh, the, the Blue Gray game. Uh, there was a uh, there was even one in Buffalo in June <laughs> that was completely. Uh, I I played in that thing. And that was in June in Buffalo, which was strictly all uh, college seniors and stuff. And so that was all just like a pro game type of thing. And uh, the uh, North-South, I think, was a pro game also. So there were those type of games being played, uh, uh, just getting started and played more than they were before. Like when I entered school, there were really wasn't that many of those type of games around yet, but then it, it, it developed more and more and became, and more and more in time. When I was a senior, uh, there was, a, you know, quite a few of those games that they would come and they would recruit you, and you come and play in them, and, and they'd, you know, pick up your expenses and things like that. Cut of those um, were uh, actually professional. If they paid you any money to play in them, then uh, that happened to me and one of them that made me professional, which screwed up my baseball career. <laughs> I didn't realize I uh, I played in the game, but uh, I wasn't told I would be professional. And so when the it, it game and stuff was over with, then uh, they uh, informed me, or at least the baseball organization for me that I wouldn't be able to play, uh, because I got paid for playing, so I was professional. So then that stopped the idea of playing baseball. It wasn't a lot of money or anything, you know what I mean? I mean, I made, uh, let's see, I made $9,000, is what my first uh, uh, contract was.
1: So sixty one. So who drafts you first? Is it the NFL or the AFL? How
0: did how did that sort the, of happen? Uh, the uh, AFL. Well, Canada talked to me first, uh, Winnipeg, and uh, and I talked, and then they offered me like fourteen thousand dollars or something, and I didn't feel like going to Canada. But uh, and then uh, uh, the next one basically was uh, Denver had drafted me. And so I, I went out and visited Denver, and talked to their coaches and stuff. And then the last draft group that year was the NFL, and they were doing that mainly because they, they didn't want to, they were afraid they'd get, they didn't want to draft somebody that who already been drafted. So that was one of the big things they always were concerned about and. But they were mainly around the bowl games, uh, all-star games and stuff, and trying to, uh, and so the NFL is the last uh, team or league to draft. So then you had, then you had a choice with them, and they were really trying to um, get you to draft uh, so that they could draft you. They didn't want to. Pick you and then find out that you'd already signed with somebody else.
1: So, uh, give us give us some as to the uh, decision making process be, uh, between the Denver Broncos and the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, in your mind, what why the decision to go to the Cardinals in '61?
0: Well, uh, it was basically about the same amount of money, and uh, so I thought, well, if I was going to try to make it. I wanted to go you know with the established uh you know and they'd been established and those, uh, uh i you know I thought that if I was going to try and play, I'd play try to play in the what I consider the the bigger league or the better league type of thing and so when they were very picky about trying to sign you, they wouldn't uh, even think of trying to sign you. Unless they, you know, got, got the whole thing, but money-wise, they didn't give you, you know, they didn't give you, they gave you the same amount of money. In other words, I got nine thousand dollars from them, and uh, so that was, it wasn't a big decision. wasn't a big decision. Uh, no one really got a lot of money, I think, of the guys of the time, uh, as far as position that I played which is a lineman or defensive line, and I an offensive line also. But uh, most of the guys were in the same range of uh, the amount of money they made.
1: So the perceived the perceived uh, stability of the NFL uh, versus that of the unproven AFL was kind of the tiebreaker for you, huh?
0: Well, the, 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 uh, the AFL being a newly... They seemed to like they went to had a lot of quarterbacks they were getting a lot of quarterbacks and stuff and throwing the ball all the time, so it made the game more of a, a air game instead of a running game and uh, so you know if you were uh, a receiver or defensive back or somebody that you you would kind of adjust to where you thought that you'd you have a better chance of playing. And so that was the main thing that 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 I ever noticed and then uh as far as uh playing uh on the line or on defense uh those were kind of a selective situation because at that time i mean you you played you played both ways you didn't play one way you know, they didn't just draft a defensive end or anything like that uh if you were in in college. You were playing offense and defense, and, and then they changed it afterwards. So uh, there, there was it's kind of, it was they gave you a better chance if you could play in both places.
1: Yeah, my uh, sense is when you were in, in St. Louis, right? Um, you know, this is uh, I guess right maybe the second year that the uh, the Cardinals were in St. Louis actually, because they had been in. Uh, the second fiddle team in Chicago for many years prior. Um, right. But any any recollections? It seems like it was kind of a a, a tough sell in those early years in St. Louis. The uh, yeah, read of of and I think you allude to some of this in in some in your writing about in your book uh, about you know the challenge of finding practice facilities and uh, it doesn't seem like the
0: crowd oh, yeah, really there either. Yeah, but... both 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 places it was terrible. Uh, I mean, no matter where you're at, and 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 St. Louis had the same problem because they really didn't have any football facilities. You know, they had a great baseball team there, and we we kind of shared some of that stuff, but we didn't have any practice facilities. We just get on, we'd put a, get on a bus and drive around town till we found a park or place that we could work out, and then uh, we worked out down there. We worked at a stable one. One, one week, and we worked on, uh, a couple, uh, big parks. And, uh, but in a, Buffalo, for example, we had the same problem when I played in Buffalo. Hell, we, we, <laughs> we, we didn't know where we were going to practice. And we didn't really have any uh, stadium. We had a little baseball stadium, which was a hard time to play in that. And, uh, so it, it wasn't, uh, the easiest facility situation. Then you had to have all the other things. so And there was a the constant thing about trying to steal players from each other, but uh, that involved, you know, moving around a lot of money. And uh, so they they just didn't want to spend any money. In the beginning of the stuff there, there was some money spent, I guess, but uh, I mean, compared to money today is like night and day. <laughs> I mean, most of us, I mean, I did, I was a school teacher actually, but I was also a shop teacher and I, 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 I worked on houses and, and, and built stuff like that to make money and worked on, uh, all, you know, all kinds of things like that. When I was playing, I taught school a couple of times, uh, cause that, it was good for me. I was a shop teacher and I could do that along with other things. And that's how we made, and if you're married, uh, you, you had to work because you couldn't make enough money to support a family. So most of the guys all worked and their wives almost all worked. My, my wife worked also, so that type of thing uh, create, created a problem and so on, but you just tried to do the best you could do, uh, because they, they just didn't pay much money.
1: <laughs> well, so uh so how much of that sort of uh dual uh career I guess would uh, would you say that you you had to endure, right? So certainly I guess through the early part of your career in the 60s, right? But how long did it take to kind of shall we say be self-sufficient just as a pro football player or did that sort of you know supplemental income thing last through uh, the rest of your career through the uh the 70s as well?
0: Well, it 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 was the 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 biggest problem of a the, the creative problem. I mean, it, the conditioning and everything and all the stuff you were involved in. Basically, you had to make sure you did it yourself. You didn't have any fancy stuff like they do now. You know, you know certain weights and stuff. But most of it was just uh, working out and getting into a position where you could re- report in shape and. And perform to the point that, uh, you could keep, keep your job type of thing. But there was always somebody coming along trying to take your job. And you just, you know, you just had to keep struggling and fighting it. And if you got tired of it, then you just walked away from it and said, to hell with it. So, uh, with the hope that someday you would really make some money. And of course, it, that, that, that came true today. The amount of money they make is just unbelievable. The most money I ever made was, uh, uh, was, uh, when I was with Redskins, uh, that was George Allen. He, he paid me, uh, I guess, but what I, he, he was an incentive man. He gave you a lot of incentives. So, uh, you know, like, uh, I'd get so much for interceptions and, uh, or uh, I get so much for tackles and this and then, but you know, you still have a base salary. But uh, uh, that was the best. Only you know, that's the way really, you could make money a little better money and, and get more money. But uh, uh, I, I think uh, I made about seventy thousand dollars one year. But most of it was uh, uh, bonus money, incentive money from you know, yeah. Uh, doing you know like intercepting passes. I mean i was uh, I'm right. I still hold, I hold a record in the league now for alignment a defensive lineman. I have 13 interceptions, and uh, I do get paid. They paying me about five thousand dollars an interception, something like that. So that's how I make my money. <laughs>
1: Well, there you go. Well, so all right. So, give give me a sense then of um, how you go from St. Louis to uh, to actually going to the AFL and the Houston Oilers. Uh, give, give our audience a sense of how that how that change comes about. Was that a was that something that you were in charge of, or was that through?
0: Um, well, no, I'm, I'm I'm like a freak. Uh, what amounts to is I really never got hurt or anything like that. However, I didn't have a when I was in with the Cardinals when I started the Cardinals uh I was in the first year and I was playing we had a lot of injuries and and uh, so I was playing every musician on the line you know offense defensive line and uh, so what happened was that um, I I I, uh eventually I you know I stayed on the team and and because uh, I just needed ballplayers, and I was able to keep my job. But then the following year, the so one thing about the St. Louis was our coach was from Canada. it Was Pop Ivy, and Pop Ivy was from Canada. So we you know, we we played Canada a game or two uh, in practice. So uh, uh, we had a, a a little different situation, and then they in the off-season, the first season, uh, well, they, uh, they switched jobs. The Houston coach in the AFL, uh, Wally Limo, I guess it was, went to St. Louis, and, uh, and Pop Ivy went to to uh, Houston. So that changed my old thing. He liked me, and so... He eventually took me and brought me, traded Denver to get me from them to go down and play in Houston. And then what happened in Houston was after about the fifth game, I got hit in the head and went into migraine seizures. I didn't even know what the hell migraine procedures were, but anyway, and then that just they they just from then on, I was blackballed. But fortunately for me, that uh, there was a couple owners around that still, well, Buffalo, Ralph Wilson. I mean, uh, if it wasn't for me. I'd never, if it wasn't for him. I'd never play another game.
1: All right, so, so let's let's back let's back up for a second. There's a couple yeah, of things. Give me couple, a job. Yeah, there are a couple of things I want to get get to that we want to unpack here. So Pop Ivy. He he, going from the Cardinals to the Houston Oilers. But well, that wasn't a trade, right? He just did, He just had a better offer. Is that how he got there?
0: I believe that's the way it was. Okay, and then he it came so, down, he, uh, we uh, he just he well he quit. I don't. I, I guess the, the story was he quit. They got it. Could have been an argument or anything with his organization. So he just he just went down and took the job at Houston. And, uh, so when, when he, uh, when it came around the next year, uh, he kept in contact with me and said that, you know, he, you know, he, he wanted me, he thought I was a good ball player and, and so on. So he eventually d- d- did get me when they, when the Cardinals released me, uh, wow, well, he didn't re- he, he, they picked me up. They didn't pick me up. They made a trade. So, uh, I mean, it wasn't a release situation. And uh, I tried... Houston, uh, no no one to touch it because then uh, one of the teams came in, uh, the Vikings, they came in with uh, that year. And so they signed me the next year. (laughs) And so when I got there, that was like night and day. Um, Van Brocklin was the coach and God, no one liked him, and that was terrible. And I actually went back to teaching school. And then uh, when the Buffalo called me, they said we played against you. We think you got a lot of talent and all this. And if we can get you, we can probably win the AFL. And I said, well, I said if I was a quarterback, I'd believe you. But another defensive end or an offensive lineman. I don't think they're going to win any what's gone. And we almost did. We Well, we won the next two champ- AFL championships.
1: All right. Well, before we get to Buffalo, I want to close out here on Houston, right? Because in 62, you were on uh, uh, quite the team. I mean, you went, went all the way to the uh, AFL championship game. And by the way, for background, right, this is a team, the Houston Oilers, that had actually won the first two. AFL championships and was going for a third, right? So you're you're kind of step-
0: right. I was on that team on the uh, third team, right? And you're stepping
1: into a situation where you know you got a, a pretty uh a, a good, uh, a solid uh, a team going on there. Obviously, you got Pop Ivy now stepping in, uh and that game. if uh, How much do you remember about that championship game? Because according to my records, it was a pretty darn long game. I think is actually yeah, the it was a, a, game a
0: ever. weird game. There was some crazy calls made by the players. I mean, I was just. I was just a bench rider when I was playing there. And, uh, it was, uh, there was quite a lot of crazy things. They made a couple bad decisions, players who were, should have known better, uh, and made some bad calls, uh, on penalties. But, uh, that that was a good team. I mean, that Blanda and, and uh, George, I became good friends with George and uh, guys like that so there was a lot of good ball players on that houston team
1: all right so how does how does buffalo happen how does uh how does your situation in houston unfold and how does how does the actual transfer or move to buffalo uh and your well next,
0: when next, next i next when next. i got to, when they called me up at home and uh and i already had another job teaching school and that wasn't a problem and i thought i was gonna i said well I think I'm going to give it up. And then, uh, Lou calls me back, uh, Saban says, you know, tries to keep me into it. So I says, well, I am, you know, I'm in shape and everything. That's what I said. All right. I'll, I'll come, I'll come up and give it a shot. So I got on a a train and went from Toledo, Ohio to, (laughs) to, to, to Buffalo and they, their training facility was a hotel. And they'd, they'd build a building behind a hotel to uh, put a field and stuff like that. And so I thought, well, what am I getting into? And then I thought, whatever. And so they were down playing an exhibition game down in North Carolina. And so then <laughs> uh I was, uh, they uh put me in my roommate with Jack Kemp. He was uh, playing at that time, Uh, but they put me in his room. He was the only place they had a a, a spare. And then when they get back uh, that night, then the next day, Lou, you know, I went into his office and everything else, and he talked to me about it and discussed it and wanted to know, you know, how much money and this type of thing, and so. Uh, he, uh, he said, well, we, we really think we played, we, we went over your films and everything. We, we really think you'll fit in for us. And I said, well, I do He said, well, we're going to go to the coast. And of course, when they went on the road, they always took about one player, at least one player with them, because in case they had an injury, then they would have somebody to replace them. Because in the AFL, you traveled all the time like you're a basketball team, you know. How you'd be on the road for four or five weeks sometimes. And uh, anyway, uh, I said, "Well, that's great." So they sent my contract in, and uh, they the, the league turned it down. And so he calls me up and says, uh, do not you come in here? Let me. Uh, we've got to talk about something." So I went in and talked to him about it, and he said, look, at, he says, you passed all our medical people, all our officials pe- everything else, and they couldn't find anything wrong with you, and this is what you got, and this is what's happening, and do you, you know, he said, well, we sure we sure want you to play, and so, he says, but I can't just, I have to call Ralph Wilson. So he gets on the phone and calls Detroit. And he says he says, um tells him the story, what's going on. And he says, I checked this out a little bit coach and he said he said, They're just trying to keep a player out of the league. And he said we played against this kid and he he can really help us. He can play in several different positions and so on and so he said he said, Well, what's the problem? And he said, Well, that that's they're worried about him getting his head damaged or something and uh we'd get stuck with a big bill or a big medical thing and all that kind of stuff and, and so he says do we need him he said we need everybody and this over ralph said sign him he says i own two i own two hospitals i'm not worried about the kid's head so anyway that's how i ended up in buffalo
1: Right, gang we take a quick pause here uh, to uh, remind you that our friends at my bookie are here to help you as you get into the nitty-gritty of the pro and college football season hell it doesn't really matter matter uh, what sport because uh, my bookie uh has got your coverage about anywhere but uh, certainly the football season it's probably the uh the most intense time of of, uh, of year uh, to get those wagers in and uh, i can't recommend enough uh, MyBookie uh, at MyBookie.ag is the place to go uh, to do so. And um, of course, because it is football season, uh, it is uh, getting intense uh, at MyBookie. They are a uh, slam with new betters, uh, and uh, they want to give everybody a chance to uh, not only uh, sign up, but also get the best po- possible uh, customer service uh, involved. So you may have heard some of our earlier ads talking about using that promo code SEATS to get that dollar for dollar match all the way up to $1,000 on your initial deposit. Uh, and that's a good deal in and of itself now, in it? However, uh, if you can wait until after seven o'clock Eastern time here in the United States uh, to set up your account with MyBookie, that's mybookie.ag, and tweak your promo code to SEATS25, you will get an additional $25 uh, if your deposit is a hundred bucks or more. So in essence, uh, you're getting a dollar for dollar match all the way up to a thousand bucks and if you're uh, you're setting up your account after seven o'clock eastern time in the evening, you're getting an extra twenty five dollars uh, to your uh, your initial deposit uh, on them, assuming your deposits a uh, hundred bucks or more uh, and that's if you use the promo code seats twenty five again after seven o'clock in the evening and you know, that's a great incentive, right there. That's basically a couple of free wagers, depending on how much you're going to bet, is, you know, how how uh, confident you are, and uh, great incentive to uh, to try and to hopefully uh, benefit from uh, the services of my bookie. That's mybookie.ag. Make sure you use that promo code SEATS twenty five after seven PM and get that extra twenty five dollar bonus. Uh, In addition to, and if you do it before seven o'clock, okay, just regular old seats will get you that dollar for dollar match, a good deal in and of itself uh, for uh, up to a thousand bucks on your initial deposit. MyBookie, that's mybookie.ag. Thank you for your uh, consideration, friends. And uh, now back to our conversation. And you uh, played for Coach Lou Saban, right, uh, there. And um, clearly the team was, uh, you couldn't have picked probably a better team, right? Because 64, 65, you guys win the AFL championship and, and even in the final in 66 uh, that you got to. So give us a sense of what Buffalo was like by comparison to your uh, your well, other two AFL stops. And uh, and when yeah. did you kind of know you were on to, to something good up in Buffalo?
0: Yeah, that was a very good experience, uh, and it wasn't. It, it was good. I mean, uh, the example uh, Saban was an excellent coach. Uh, Ralph Wilson turned out to be a great owner, and uh, everything seemed fine. There was jobs there. Uh, we had uh, some kids out of Canada, like Cookie Gilchrist and, and Warlick, and some people like. It. Anyway, we 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 had a heck of a team. The team was kind of a unique team because you had. Players that uh, were playing and they were pretty good, and but they could play almost anywhere. In other words, if you got somebody hurt, somebody would always step in on another receiver or a defensive back. There's always another player that would step in and perform like the other guy did. So the performance from the players were fantastic, uh, and no matter which position. And, and so that's really what mainly our success was. But also that, uh, Lou Saban was a type of coach that he'd move me around. And that's what he did with me. We had another, Tom Day was a defensive end who was there, uh, and, and had been, came from Philadelphia somewhere. And so, and I was there. And this, and of course, I came up right at the beginning of the year. And so they made me the extra guy and I traveled with the first couple games. But then uh, basically it was like, uh, I really had a heck of an opportunity. And so I struggled through that year with everybody else. I didn't manage to get on the starting team, but then the following the following year, uh, I'm a, I go back home because I got to do, do some extra stuff on my degree. Uh, and, and so I get a phone call from them. Of course, now things are changing a little bit in the leagues. I get a phone call from them and they they said, they want me in, i uh, get on the plane and, and get in Buffalo by tomorrow. <laughs> Normally he said, no, you want, well, I want to talk to you about your contract. Normally, you, they didn't want to talk to you about your contract. So, anyway, I flew back, and they doubled everybody's contract and tripled some of them. Uh, that's when, see, we lost. We had Googlea. The kicker we got out of Canada, out of uh, um, Europe. Yeah, Pete Googlea. Yeah, Pete Googlea. Yeah. So Pete, they signed him. I think it was Chicago, not Chicago. The Troy, no, the Giants. I think signed him away from us, and that, st- that caused the the breakup. In other words, uh, they just they did the NA, AFL said bullshit. This is not going to happen. We're not going to lose our all the stuff we've been doing. And of course, Al Davis, was head of the show then, and so he immediately and uh, they they called everybody in. Uh, to their home, all the players that they thought the NFL wanted, uh, they brought us in and automatically doubled and tripled your contracts. So I went to thirty-some thousand dollars and, uh, I said, this this is better. And so that's kind of how they, because what happened, Al Davis then, uh, or, I guess it was him anyway, the a f l then went around and started signing up a lot of the n f l players you know quarterbacks, fullbacks, they're stars, and giving them a big contract, some of them getting them just two or three hundred thousand dollars. That was a lot of money back in what was that nineteen sixty something so
1: it was more so, it was more of a it was more of a war for talent more of a talent raid kind of going on then right.
0: Right, that's exactly right. So they just uh, and players, uh, the the AFL started signing up big time uh, NFL players, giving them a three year contract. For example, that's a lot of money for what they were making. Well, and then what they were doing, see, that thirty thousand was a lot of money for me. You know, I wasn't getting any money. When but, he the, but,
1: the, but the idea though of playing though playing in Buffalo and 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 with such a dominant team, I mean, I you know, nineteen sixty four, you guys beat the Chargers going away in the championship game, and then you you beat them in sixty five at their place it was a twenty three to nothing? I think. I mean, Sabin was coached yeah. the year twice. I mean, you guys were a dominant team. It, it had to be that had to be a, something extra special besides the salaries going up a bit, right?
0: Well, the, the big thing is, is that they they were just, That's the, 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 they didn't anticipate the uh, AFL doing that. You know, they didn't think they had any money. That would be my guess. So they started, you know, they, the NFL had a lot of money. I mean, Christ, they still got a lot of money. They're still doing it now. They're doing the same thing now, except it's uh, in the millions. So they, they don't... Uh, uh, so, so that, that's how. That's what they're doing, just uh, increasing the pay, type of stuff. And uh, but, you know, they're getting. You know, so far that's that's fine. They're changing the whole game right now. See, I mean, they're playing. Uh, it, you don't, it's not the same game that I played uh, when I was. Uh, I mean, it's a. Uh, now they're in the situation where they. Uh, they, they, the fouls are a lot different. The, the whole theory is they're thinking. Their thought is that they're not going to be. Their thought is is that there won't be as many entries. <laughs> they're going to have twice as many entries because they don't. They're letting guys push, pull, hit late, all kinds of stuff, and it's going to do a lot of damage. You know, and they'll let uh, so, and then they've got the gamblers now that you can take the ball, one guy can run with it, and then he can jump, pick up on him. Uh, have you watched the game lately?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I, yeah, I was going to sort of wait till the sort of the end of our chat about this conversation, but that's a good time, I guess, right? I mean, you know, you wonder, right, are we near kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, peak NFL, I guess, in terms of uh, how much money there is in the game, the injuries, the, frankly, I, maybe this is a better question for you, since you played uh for uh, almost 20 years right i mean a, a pretty long and substantial career uh ac- across both yeah. leagues what about injuries and in particular uh well
0: the- i never starting. i was very fortunate i never really had anything other than that migraine problem which was was really nothing but uh the standpoint with it but uh now we're we're uh, i mean i i tell you exactly what what's been. you know that great little team we were talking about in buffalo yeah. We had a great, we had what, one one time we had a run of 17 games without letting the touchdown be scored on the ground. And that line was Tom Sestak, Jim Dunaway, me, Tom uh, Tom Day. And we, we didn't give up anything. And that's the kind of play we had. That was the four of us. But you know what the bad thing is? I'm the only one still alive. The other guys are dead. That's shocking, isn't it?
1: Well, do you, do you think that's because of injuries and or the, 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 the toll that they can play on on them? It's
0: all... It's, it's all well, everybody's got... You don't even... The people don't even know about it. They got... Uh, Jim Dunaway just died uh, a month ago. Uh, I've had Alzheimer's now for... Shit, two years. And, and Pat Fisher, who's, uh, the closest friend I've got, he's, he's been sick, oh god, ten years. But we, and then they set up this program and they say they're gonna, uh, give us all these tests and check and everything else. And so we, you know, we go through all that bullshit. And what they do, the first thing they do is they just, uh, they, uh, don't, they, they don't even examine you and you gotta go and you go and they, and it's a big pain in the neck, uh, to go through. But, uh, that's basically what it is. So now they got it set up. So I'm sure, I don't know what those contracts look like, but I'm sure they got protection for themselves. But the bad thing is, is that you can't call, you can't even call, <laughs> call anybody because you don't know if they're going to be live. It's really got, I, yeah, we're over quite a few people. And the other is some of them are actually committing suicide. Some of the players are because they don't want to get caught without making any money. And they they keep waiting to get funded and they haven't funded anybody. Not one person that I know of. So that kind of stuff has got everybody else just saying, well, hell." You can play or not play, but they're ch- they're trying to change it to make it work. So uh, I hope they do it. But uh, you couldn't get me back in the game.
1: <laughs> so okay, no so how much so I mean this this is obviously one of the major problems that that I think begrudgingly the league has sorted to sorted to recognize, right? So w- going back to that, so the idea of concussions and blows to the head and and sort of the repetitive nature of the sport and the, and the physicality. Of the sport, right? And, and obviously we're talking about a time, the 60s, the 70s, where, you know, it's probably a bit more macho and more, you know, like shake it off and you have your quote unquote your bell rung, right? I mean, these are, you know, today, at least the, the awareness is much greater. But I, at what point, I mean, you say you were lucky and, and, and certainly so. At what point do you and others start to recognize, perhaps after your careers are ending or maybe even during your playing career, that perhaps... Something is sort of not right physically and or mentally with uh, folks. We,
0: I would think that we, we, we talked about it uh, all the time. We were very aware of what was going on. Uh, But the the thing about it is, is that uh, they, the money wasn't that uh, bad, but it wasn't that good. But the thing is, is that, uh, uh, most players were playing because they really liked playing it. the sport. I mean, I I like playing it. I, I fortunately I didn't have uh, troubles all the time, but it's 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 really terrible. I mean, they've got it's uh, they let the thing go too far. Is what the big problem was. They really did. They let it go too far. They let it keep going and going and thinking that it w it was going to change and um uh, it hasn't changed uh there's a lot of guys that have uh suffered on the thing but my my problem with it is is that i've got a lot of close friends i played with because you know i played 20 years so i played with a lot of people but even those people are not making it either Uh they're They're you know gradually dying, and uh just, there's no one you don't know who it is unless it's you know some man big you get to get it in the paper, but uh there's so many people who are just the players on the team. they're not the star, they're the ones that're missing, and uh so what a lot some of them do well I know a three that committed suicide. So you got, they're trying to find a way to get money, because uh, they're not going to get any money from the National Football League. So the big thing is it's a, it's become a just a pain in the neck. But and now they're playing a game that I guess they think it's better, but it'll be interesting to see how the fans accept it.
1: Well, let's let's t- let's. Uh, uh, I don't want to completely go completely in, in a, a, a sad yeah, direction, but this is important. I mean, it's really important stuff. I mean, we we've spent a lot of time, you know, on this show talking about uh, you know the leagues and teams and whatnot, and these are these are these are part of it, right? They're not just all sort of you know uh, right. necessarily happy memories or or interesting little anecdotes, right? right. So, but but I do want to. So you know, I was born probably just near the tail end of of the AFL, but m- maybe. I'd love to hear in your voice sort of what what the AFL was like, you know, certainly versus relative to the NFL, right? Because when you look at the history of it, you look at the the films of it, it certainly seemed like the AFL was a hell of a lot more fun and more vivid and more action-oriented and just more dynamic than the NFL was at that time. Is that a fair statement?
0: Well, one of the big things about it— and I, 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 when we, when they, they the came together and the, the, we, uh, I, well, actually I spent, you know, nine years in one and nine years in the other one. So <laughs> I, I have a perfect example of what it is. The funny things about it, not funny things, but the thing about it, what was good about the AFL, basically, we, we had some, some different, we threw a lot of balls. We had a lot of pass receivers a lot of good quarterbacks. And they tried, we we would throw, uh, uh, had a good air game type of thing. Basically, the uh, the other league was doing a lot of, you know, running the ball on the ground. And they liked doing that, and they, especially some of the teams like Green Bay and Chicago and things like that, who did that type of thing. And uh, But then, then people started liking the, and television came and made it a little more, uh, uh, to a point where they could watch it and predict it and that type of thing. So they, they, they kind of liked the the faster game, the more exciting. When you had people like Lance Walworth Wall, 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 and people running around catching passes and that type of thing. And it became a closer game and, uh, the like George Allen, for example, is probably one of the best defensive people in the world. And uh, he had a lot of great things going on. The plan for him was like uh, night and day. And um, so they were going on. But gradually, you know, they it, it gets to the point where they, uh, you know, you got a product. you are trying to make it better, uh, make it uh, work out or whatnot. So they start trying to do things. Now, now they've changed it completely different because they're, they're stuck with a point where they won't be able to keep playing it the way they were playing it. And if they can't, and so they're gonna. Uh, I was trying to watch a game the other day, and, I, and all of a sudden they switched to another channel. And they, and they were passing the ball from one guy to the other guy, and I didn't know what the heck they were doing. <laughs> and so anyway, the only thing bad about that is that. You get all that uh, contact with each other in a short space, right during the line, and they, you're getting, uh, you know, a lot of action that does a lot of damage. But um, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I wouldn't. I I, I don't know if I I didn't have any really bad problems, but, so I should say I would play anyway. But uh, I don't know. I, I don't. None of my kids are playing. Uh, they they played high school, but that was it. And uh, uh, so, but aside, I don't. Aside, you
1: know, aside from winning, though, uh, having a really you know, a good series of teams there in the mid '60s uh, with the Bills, and obviously that the, you know the, those things don't, couldn't and didn't last forever, right? As as the team. Sort of right, decline right. on the field, right? But uh, uh, maybe give you a sense of sort of what you as a player and maybe your other your, your other your other players were thinking about. How much did you kind of recognize that the AFL would ultimately, uh, in some way, shape, or form, uh, merge or or figure out some kind of combination with the NFL, right? It seemed like it was kind of a a steady move towards that. I mean, or were you just sort of happy to be playing? Enjoying yourself, obviously getting the paycheck and and uh you know the the proverbial love of the game did you were you did you care about this sort of how the how the drama was playing well, out between yeah the
0: two? yeah we, we, uh, uh, we, we uh, everybody thought uh, uh, it would merge eventually you know that's what everybody thought I mean you come to work every day like anything else, but everybody thought you know, but there's there's some things that happen as you went along and everything else. And and the money was uh, uh, gonna, and you knew the money was gonna be better. Because it was just a common deal. Because they had the people that had the money, they had the people that wanted to put, you know, invest the money in it, and you had players that were willing to play in it, and everything else. So it seemed like there was no way it it could fail. Uh, And uh, in reality, (laughs) It has failed because of uh, the injury and stuff, and that now that was seen way ahead of time. It was the you know the fight like boxers and everybody's involved in, in that type of a uh, uh, physical deal. It, it, it's it's you know something's going to go wrong somewhere. Now now you know there's so many things that um, uh, medically and everything else. You have to wrestle with this uh, stuff, but you always keep thinking that well, that's not going to last forever. But it does. It seemed like it would last forever, <laughs> but there is a lot of damage done uh, in the game. But now uh, I don't know uh, what they've done now. They they didn't do didn't do anything to take that stuff out of the game. Uh, they they still are trying to. Uh, so you can't run somebody at uh, full speed and, and and have them hit you in the back of the legs or hit you on the side of the knee without losing everything. And those things are just terrible. So uh, what I looked at, that, I don't think they've done any big deal. on. The, they, they don't even have the penalties. Uh, uh, they try, you know, the penalty situation, they tried that. That didn't work uh and it, it never will because the the problem with it is that they uh they don't enforce it and uh, people don't realize if you you know if you, you get thrown out of a game that's pretty expensive for a player and uh very expensive and then and, and so they they've been fining people in the in the million millions of dollars and Hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars, but at the same time, they're they're not doing anything. They're not changing anything. They're just giving them more money. So that's 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 their idea that to, to make them better.
1: All right, a couple more questions on Buffalo, and then we'll sort of uh, uh, let you uh, okay. go up with the rest of your your evening, because I don't want to keep you all night here. Um, that's all right. But you have a chapter in the book which is interesting. I, I um, so before we leave Buffalo, what is it with these Halloween parties there? Uh, apparently, some kind of famous. What, what was uh, what was that all about? These famous Buffalo Bills Halloween parties.
0: Well, it's like uh, the, the Buffalo group was like uh, it was a great bunch of guys, and you get guys like that when you're involved in sports or anything of that. Where you got a bunch of people trying to do things for, to be successful. And then they also, uh, I had, I bought an old, <laughs> uh, of course, being a shop teacher, <laughs> basically, uh, I bought an old brewery in Buffalo, uh, out in Eden, New York, and made it into a home. And, uh, and then, you know, we did it all ourselves. And, and so we used it, uh, also for the Halloween parties. I mean, we, uh, we lived there and we, did all the remodeling on it and stuff. And so we we'd had uh, Halloween parties before that, just just regular Halloween parties. But we were out out there and we we and that one had a widow's watch in it and we'd put, you know, balloons on there with, you know, uh ghost sheets and stuff. Anyway, we started, we thought we should have a party uh, after the, you know, we they had to be it had to be on days that we weren't playing, but uh, but we had to do. We did work around a lot of dates, but uh, and everybody would come. and And the big thing about it was that it was it was great. You know, the, uh, everybody loved it, and, and and so we got along with the, You know, uh, Paul McGuire, myself, and all of us, and Jack Kemp, and. We'd have these. Uh, we'd have these every year at Halloween, and we'd, we went to jockey the time around and the date. But that was about the only thing, and uh, it was it, it just one of those things that took off and it kept us together. You know what I mean? It's a thing that it keeps you together, and you, everybody enjoyed it and liked it, and 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 the, and the black players got along with. We never had any trouble with, with any of the. Uh, that stuff it was all we all we had cookie gilchrist and all the we had some great uh, uh, uh guys and uh, so we never in trouble with race or any of that type of thing in buffalo during that period of time
1: well it seemed it and, seems like so, it seems like it seems like camaraderie right was um
0: well that's was, what was, i'm was trying to say right? yeah we, we had see when you think about it for example, like people uh, uh was for example one of the things that the a f l did create was success and that type of thing and the main reason I think it was is because my roommate was uh i uh, it was Jim Dunaway. and Jim was a big old southern boy uh with a bunch of cattle or he was and, and we we were roommates for years and then and George Floyd. So we didn't have any trouble with, uh, if if we had to stay with a black ball player, we didn't have trouble with that. You know, anything like that. That was not a problem for us. And and so I think those parties and, and those players were that type. It, 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 it made you like, you're, you're a little different than everybody else. You didn't have a, gripe or a bitch or a moan or anything else, and he got along with it. And the other thing, plus we had a roommate, you see what I mean? We, we traveled on the road so damn much that you always had a roommate. So, uh, you had to, but else you, know, you had to take care of your roommate, keep him out of the bars, keep him, keep them out of trouble. And so that, that was another big project for everybody. So it was that kind of a team and that type of personnel. And the players that way was was one of the biggest successes of that Buffalo team. Of course, the coaches uh, were the type of guys that would, you know, make it work. And uh, so that was things that we did that made it, you know, fun. <laughs> right, give me, and uh, give and you, give it was fun. We did have...
1: Yeah, give me a sense of those uh, le- last uh, Buffalo Bills years for you, because the team clearly, you know, fell way down from from the mid mid sixties when you guys were tearing up the league. Uh, maybe.
0: Yeah, somebody- well, it's like everything else. Time catches up with you. We never had any trouble with drugs with anybody. I mean, not in the, uh, in the Buffalo team and anything. I really played with, we never had that that problem. But we started getting problems uh, from. Um, it's like anything you know, else. When you got people joining things, the team and they're coming really the awesome. You know, we had a lot of people coming out of the West Coast, and they were getting busy as hell with health, drugs and things like that. And we'd have, see, we're right there in Buffalo. You know who's in Buffalo? <laughs> Half of the Mafia. <laughs> God, you know we, you know, you can't go into the bars and 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 we had this. All these cops following us around. They weren't cops, they were special detectives working for the league. And most people never realize that stuff all exists. You know, because they, hell, I, I build houses. I own a building bills and business in Buffalo. Me and Alan B. Miller, we were building houses left over, right And all of a sudden we had to have this big meeting. And we go to this big meeting, and God, half of the people we build houses for, at that meeting, <laughs> so we were told uh, to get out of the building business, and uh, so there was a lot of some things like that 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 happens uh, eventually, I guess. But it never was never really got out of control, so I, I think that had a lot of, and I think that the thing like the, uh, the the party had a lot to do with keeping it. Uh, like a party, you know, people would come and, and they didn't, they didn't, uh, uh, bring anything that would be illegal or cause a problem for me. I mean, I owned the property and everything. It's a, it's a big old, a uh, hundred and some year old home, 18 years. Ago. It, was a, it was a, it was a, it was a swank or a brood. So that type of stuff, you know, we didn't have any of that.
1: Well, I guess you needed those distractions, right? I mean, 1968. Yet your team went one, twelve, and one. I mean, I you know I can imagine how frustrating it must have been on the field. Let me ask you one other question though, before about Buffalo, uh, before we sort of wrap this up. Um, 69 and 70, right? That was sort of the uh, last year of the AFL and the first year of the uh, of uh, fully joining into the NFL. But uh, interesting uh, footnote there, right? Was the arrival of one sort of dynamic running back, number 32, the Juice OJ Simpson uh crossed oh, yeah. a little bit with him right in your uh your latter years with the bills what was your impression uh of him uh, uh then coming into the team obviously he was quite the the dynamic presence uh coming into buffalo at that time no
0: yeah he you know he, no one knew what it was going to be like uh you know come in and then uh he had the, when he came out would join the ball club he had the same um problems with a lot of young guys that when they're coming in to play uh run into they they get into a point where they uh they're used to playing in the college rank and everything else and they got blockers all the time for them and good blockers type of thing and 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 a, a lot of help in a sense and they do some of them do very well and some don't do them or do or the damn though they you try to and you you teach them what you can teach him, like when they're running. Well, I okay, can't. He was a running back, and he come. Now, of course, I was a defensive lineman, and he come up the line of scrimmage and dance sometime. You know, he didn't know which way to go, and and but you see he does not have that problem when he was in college, because there's a big lineman up there not blocking somebody, knocking him out of the way, so he can get by or make a break. So you got to tell him, say, look at you got to make. I always tell him, I said, look, you got to make. Me think you're going to run this way or run this way or do this, because I'm not going to do anything till I know what you're going to do. And so that takes a little time to get him used to that kind of thing. And he had that trouble. Then he got hurt, and and and, and he went home. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean the team was a real close team, and we've been in you know championships and everything else, and. All of a sudden, you come in the come in the morning and come in and to uh, go to get draft. And, and of course, Al Collins was a guy they had to draft also, and they brought him in to take my job. So, but that didn't you know that didn't bother me. But the thing is, the it's uh, uh, it's it, it's just like hey, you know, this is uh, everybody's involved in this. And anyway, he, he he just went home and spent a couple weeks, then came back. And, you know, he, he didn't have anybody's permission. And they let him do it. I mean, and, uh, and so things like that. And then that kind of started, those things started creating problems because uh, other guys would get unhappy about it. And and I was only there for his one year. I mean, I was traded to, off to, George Allen, and uh, so uh, that's about basically. Other than that, he uh, socially he was fine. He 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 just he really ran around. With, uh, we didn't have a lot of uh, black ball players so we had like two or three. But uh, he ran around with uh, uh, mostly everybody, anybody different. So other than him and Al, always stuck together and. That was pretty well lit. There was no sign of any, his wife, his family, everybody was great people. So that we didn't really have a big amount of trouble with him along trying to get him adjusted into something and realize that uh, everybody's got to do something to make it work.
1: All right, before uh, one last question about Buffalo. G- give me a sense of um uh during the uh, the AFL days, uh, what was it like playing there? Obviously, it's probably I would argue probably one of the, the more harsh weather climates for home games. Uh and what was the uh what was the the the, uh, the city of Buffalo like in terms of embracing uh the Bills team well, one of The the it, markets, uh, right?
0: It, it was, it, I don't think it ever changed. What's great about it. the people are the people are fantastic. I mean, I I was like when we were coming out of college, everybody was trying to avoid Buffalo. <laughs> I mean, that's really, I mean, we'd go to these all star games and go play. And we played one, Buffalo had one in June. But we would we'd go and we'd go uh, be playing these down in, you know, somewhere, Florida, somewhere. And everybody said, God, I hope I don't get traded. I mean, I don't get drafted by Buffalo. They didn't want to go to Buffalo. And, but it turned out to be probably the best place to go. <laughs> it did for me, anyway. And uh, so, uh, other than that, the people are are just unbelievable fans. I mean, you go down I can go and go go to on Monday morning or something after the game on Sunday. Go down to the. I lived out in the country basically, about not too far from the brewery. I lived right there with the brewery, and. Uh, I'd go, I'd go in the grocery store, and the little old lady on the cashier jumped all over me. All oh, right, I can't believe he let that guy free. <laughs> and uh, they they knew they know the game, but just about as good, good as you do. You know what I mean? So they they're big fans, and they uh, they really watch the game, and they and they'll tell you if you're not getting it done. They'll they're not afraid to tell you. So well,
1: that's Buffalo. Yeah, it's a, it's a big small town in that regard, right? And uh, maybe that's uh, some of the the charm, not not unlike say a Green Bay, right, where it's uh, I want to say the only game in town, but it's it's something that's special and unique versus sort of being one of you know a number of different professional teams or you know just other kinds of distractions like say in New York City, which is just you know full of right. All right, last question then. So um, uh, take us through the uh, the segue into Washington, and and arguably. What might have been uh, perceived, or might you thought it might have been sort of the uh, the beginning of the end of your career, actually was kind of a rejuvenation, right? With uh, with George Allen and the over the hill gang uh, in Washington, right? Because you spent a good part of the seventies uh, on oh, a yeah. uh, very stable and uh, very interesting uh, Washington Redskins team.
0: Yeah, that, that that that's that's it was another great. It's, I was very fortunate that these two teams are were, were a lot alike you know, different analysis and, George Allen is, uh, was uh, uh first thing that happened, basically. Uh, Ralph Wilson, uh, again, did me a favor. Uh, he got, when he hired, uh, uh, oh, the LA, I mean, uh, who the hell did he? <laughs> I can't even remember the coach anymore. Uh, anyway. Was it uh, Lou Saban uh, again when he came back? No, no. He hired Harvey, uh, Harvey Johnson, kid, maybe, before the, him. The guy from Oakland.
1: John Roush. John Roush. Yeah, yeah. So John Roush was the no, coach. John, John Six, Roush. 69-70. And
0: then did what a lot of coaches do. Just got rid of everybody and moved everybody around, changed whole defense, changed all events. So that became, you know, like we uh, defensively, we ran different defenses and all kinds of stuff. We had guys that would pursue across the field and some that didn't. But you just had to know. Anyway so John I mean so what happened is uh George Allen bugged uh Ralph Wilson to death, and we call him in the morning at three o'clock in the morning or whatnot and and, and so what really happened was is it? it got to the point where the the team just we played one year and just fell apart, <laughs> completely fell apart and 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 Ralph Wilson came to me and he said. You know we are losing players left and right, <laughs> and he said he said yeah, you're you're one of my older players and i he said and I'd hate to see you uh you know you're not gonna stay alive here long enough and i said i'm gonna John, he, says, he said "George Allen's driving me crazy, calls me at three o'clock in the morning wanna we'll know if I, he'll trade me to him and this and that and all that kind of stuff and So he says, he said, I told him yesterday that I'll trade him and I'll trade you. So he traded me, which was the best thing that he had done for me. And because I made more money and I got out of that rat's nest. So, and of course the bills went crashing. They just crashed. And uh, I got to go to where I was one of the younger guys, (laughs) I was 36, so hell, it was like Hollywood, you know, we had players that, 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 that knew everything, it was like playing with a bunch of coaches, you know what I mean,
1: yeah, that's great. It's yeah. a, And that's it's a renewed and, and talk about camaraderie again. You have uh, you've got a lot of uh, a, a commonality, right, with uh, with players right, right. and, and, and 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 doing it for 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 a coach who's, uh, you know, uh, obviously was in the process of becoming legendary at the time. Um, yeah. yeah. So, all right. One last question. I, uh, I and this is maybe semi personal one, but it also speaks to uh, the title of your book and how you got your nickname. I, uh, I actually went to college uh, at Georgetown and uh, right. certainly uh, partook, if you will, of certain uh, establishments, shall we say, in the Georgetown section of D.C., uh, bars and restaurants and whatnot. But uh, maybe you could set the table, tell the story of how you got what your nickname is or became how you got it and uh, and where what I think was in the, the Georgetown section of D.C., no?
0: Well, yeah, you know, <laughs> it was down in Georgetown where I was at. Anyway, that, you know, we 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 hung out. uh most of us, well, of course, we all, I mean, now we're, we're not 25; we're, you know, 20 to 39 and shit like that. But anyway, um, there were several places we hung out all the time, uh, and uh, uh, in town. But uh, we all kind of ran around together like that. We we were we're all the same age, basically and our families or you know our kids are grown up in a sense and uh our our wives are a lot of the wives are similar uh same age type of thing and so we we uh, we got the the togetherness was always there and george he pushed all that type of stuff uh type of things to keeping us together and 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 everybody and he knew the game so well and he, he we were all like we were all like coaches. And he we 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 had uh, Jack Pardee was our head main general and Jack of course he had cancer at that time and he they died shortly after after that, after his second, last job. But anyway, he uh he he was the head man and and boy Jordan and d they'd, they'd spend hours together and the rest of us we always hang, you know, hang together and 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 help each other. And we knew a lot, and, and and we knew how to do a lot of things. And so George knew how to do a lot of things too. And uh, it really made us successful. Uh, I mean, we just didn't were able to do everything, but we did do a lot of good things and made a lot of good plays through the period of time. And we really thought we could win the Super Bowl, but unfortunately, it's like everything else—you got to get out there and try to get it done. And then, and if you get a few injuries or a few things go the wrong way on you, uh, you might not be able to do it. So, um, but he could—he could get you ready. There was no doubt about that. He would have you ready, and he would call plays, and he really called almost all the defense uh, uh, that we ran. And he, he just loved defense. I mean, his theory was that, uh, you got not you gotta win on defense and keep people from scoring. And, uh, but, uh, and he, you know, he, but he was disciplined. He'd be, he'd, be, he'd be, a, he wouldn't let you get away with anything. And you got fined if you didn't, you know, if you did something wrong, which you weren't supposed to do, uh, type of thing. And, uh, uh, I, uh, I was very fortunate. I mean, I played those 20, <laughs> whatever it was, 20 years, and I got two of the best coaches in the world. I got, uh, Fav- Sabin and-, and George Allen. And, and you couldn't do any better than that. Uh, they, they knew the game, they knew how it was played, and they, they, they knew how to discipline you. And they knew how to do all that stuff, because him, you know, when you jumped off sides or something like that, that was like a that was like the end of the world. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? I mean, he didn't swear or anything. He said, "What are you doing? We're trying to win a ball game, and you can't be playing when you want to play." And uh, boy, he just he just disliked uh, that type of thing. We're we're in this, this, trying to make money and you win this thing, and we can't do it. To, if we don't get players to do it. So that's what George is like.
1: All right. So I want to get to uh, th- tell me about that Super Bowl. Then uh, you lost to the undefeated Miami Dolphins in 72. Um, right. And uh, pretty close game though, right? You came pretty darn close.
0: Yeah, there's <laughs> there's a lot of things about that game. Uh, you know, the, I, I wrote, I wrote, a help write a book and then, uh, there's a lot of things I could, there's some things I'd love to have been able to do that, but I I couldn't do, We used to work on things that, uh, uh, to play against when you play against them. In other words, our special team coach was Marv Levy. He was one of the best coaches in the league. Certainly. And, uh, Marv, uh, I worked with Marv all the time because I was, I had, uh, all these clauses in there for blocking kicks and all this stuff. And, <laughs> so, Marv, he'd study the film, uh, and then I'd study it after he did, and we'd work on how to block field goals, how to block punts, how to block all those things that George loved and wanted. And so we'd uh, had all kinds of things. We and, and then he'd give me this, I mean, I'd go over it, and then we'd find a weakness in a uh, in a line uh, for like a field goal team. And, and it's easy because a lot of a lot of players, it's not they don't pay that much attention, especially younger kids. And they come in into the league and they start, you know, thinking it's just this and that. The hell, you, it's tough. You can't. You can't. There's a lot of things you can do to create block kicks and stuff like that. And um, so, I, uh, I had a lot of those things, and I, we we worked out one that we thought for sure was gonna. Blocked the first field goal, but unfortunately, it didn't happen. <laughs> I'd tell you what it is, but it's one of my best friends. <laughs> I've played with for years. Uh, uh, originally, he played for Oakland, but uh, it didn't work. But we we came close. <laughs>
1: well, still, it's <laughs> we a Super Bowl, you, you, and you have a couple of AFL championship uh, rings under your uh, under your belt, so to speak. And all right, well, here's my one last question. Uh you were playing for the Redskins during the uh during the 70s under George Allen. Um I maybe maybe you know this, maybe you don't know this, but uh, or we have some experience with it. But uh is it true from what you know did Richard Nixon then president of the United States did he did he actually call in plays to to Allen once in a while? Did, did you ever hear of that story and or if it's maybe real or not?
0: Uh no, he, I I know what you're talking about. Uh, uh, in fact, <laughs> I just hung up, uh, Richard Nixon's pictures before I left today. He, <laughs> uh, come, what, what am I, he used to come out to practice once in a while. And George would, you know, like him, he'd come out and then usually, uh, you know, it was always a big game or something and he'd go out and he'd come out and he, he was very, uh, uh, polite and nice and, He'd talk to guys and come over and talking, and, and have some pictures taken, something like that. And then he'd always try to give us a play. <laughs> I don't think I don't think any of them ever worked. But whatever it was, George would let him give us a play, and then and, uh, and if he could, he would do it. But if we yeah, he didn't use anything, George called all the plays. So had, no matter what, he would tell him he wasn't going to give him a play or let him give us a play uh that would be would would affect us and so that was that was done usually uh, i' say i was done three or four times over the period of uh uh when he was there but just, uh, just
1: another inter- just another interesting story and a very interesting uh life and career uh, ron and i i look i appreciate your uh
0: you yeah, yeah. But well, we used to we used to get a kick out of him because and and he was he was a lot of fun. You know, he know he knew enough about the sport to be dangerous. That, uh, you know, he he'd come. I think he used to practice learning the name of the the, uh, the play because <laughs> he'd to always come up with some play name. <laughs> we said, oh, where'd that come from? And so it, it, it was it was it was fun, but. Uh, well, I think, uh, he, uh, I
1: think he played, uh, college, uh, division three, uh, uh, football at, uh, I guess it was Occidental. He went to, um, back yeah, in the so I, I think
0: I he did too. Playing. I'm not sure. Because he'd talk to you, you know, about it. And of course we, we, you know, we had to practice, but we'd, we'd take about, uh, Oh, you know, 10 or 15 minutes and then get off to what we had to do. But, uh, they, it, it was a good it was fun it was a good thing and it uh, wasn't a bad thing so uh, we all joined it and if we lost it it would be our fault
1: <laughs> alright our thanks to uh, defensive uh, legend Ron McDowell uh, for uh, spending some time with us uh, You know some interesting stories, some fun, some frivolous ones, but as you could hear clearly, um, you know there is uh, some lasting effect. Uh, You know the good old days of the AFL and the uh, the '70s version of the of the NFL. Uh, Not fully, you know, uh, fond, uh, especially when you get into the uh, the relative uh, violence and uh, rough. Uh, and tumble play uh, of the way the game was played at that point, and frankly, the lasting effects. Uh, you heard it uh, in Ron's voice uh, as he uh, remembered some of his uh, his past teammates, and, and frankly, uh, a little bit of uh, a little bit of shade on the uh, the current NFL. And uh, I think that's uh, something that uh, resonates with many players, not just Ron. About sort of uh, coming to grips uh, and coming to closure uh, and some kind of recompense for uh, some of these players who literally gave him uh, the league what it exists today, their all, uh, and uh, upon the backs of which uh, this uh, uh, multi billion dollar industry known as NFL pro football uh, exists and was built. Um, You know, the idea of uh, taking care of some of these players, a lot of these players in their Uh, advancing age and uh, not only the physical, but the psychological uh, wounds of of, uh, directly, frankly, as we've seen, uh, uh, resulting from some of the hard play uh, and the, shall we say, less than modern ways of protecting against. So uh, a wide ranging conversation there, but uh, we appreciate Ron uh, having it with us. Uh, His book, uh, which is published by our friends at University of Nebraska Press, is called The Dancing Bear, My 18 Years in the Trenches. Of the afl and nfl uh it is uh, co-written with uh, rob morris and the forward by george flint and uh it is a fun read uh and you will enjoy it especially if uh you grew up watching uh ron and uh, friends either with the bills or the redskins uh, or a couple of those teams prior to his getting solidified uh, as a full-time first stringer uh, in both of the leagues of afl and nfl all right thank you so much for listening uh, we, uh, uh, always appreciate your, uh, your commentary, uh, and your suggestions by all means, uh, visit us early and often at our website. That's goodseatsstillavailable.com. Uh, it is there. You will find all of the links that you need to, uh, to deal with us on a, an ongoing and friendly basis. Uh, you will also find our uh, email address, which I'll give you as well. It's hello at good You can always send us email that way. You'll also find links to our social media connections where we can, uh, we share various things, and you can connect with us that way. Twitter, you'll find us at Good Seats Still. Uh, Instagram, where are Good Seats Still Available. Uh, you'll find a Facebook page devoted to us, and um, uh, we appreciate uh, you doing that. Make sure, of course, you go to our website, too, if you want to buy some of these books or videos or whatever. Uh, click through those links to uh, Amazon or whatever other places. We'll get a little uh, a shekel or two of love along the way. So uh, if you have a choice about where to buy these things, uh, maybe consider going to goodseedstillavailable.com, searching up whatever episode uh, such as this one with uh, Ron McDowell, and, uh, and clicking through that way and giving us uh, a little bit of love to help us uh, keep our lights on and woof. Covering us. And uh, last but not least, our uh, uh, immense thanks, as always, each and every week. You know him, you love him, you can't live without him. His name, Jerry Payne, uh, the good doctor, we call him. And uh, he is uh, the chief cook and bottle washer, uh, editorially and uh, production wise, for us at Podfly Productions. And Podfly.net is the place to find out more about them and perhaps how they, Podfly Productions, might be able to help you in your podcasting needs. And we thank him and them profusely. All right. And we thank uh, you profusely for listening this long and uh, listening each and every week, telling your friends, for God's sakes, please do that. And uh, rate and review us if you don't mind, wherever you listen, certainly Apple Podcasts, but anywhere. All that stuff helps us. Five stars certainly uh, doesn't hurt either. And uh, we thank you in advance for that. All right, my name's Tim. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye bye.